Welcome to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week, where our goal is to equip the believer to do the work of the ministry. We hope that you enjoy this week's sermon by the senior leader here at Gateway Church, Pastor Chris Monahan. Hey, good morning, everyone. Let's go ahead and find our seats. If you're in the um, hallway, getting your javaluya, just go ahead and end those conversations at this point, and we'll go ahead and get into the Word of God this morning. Is that good? All right. I love the presence of the Lord, don't you? Sometimes when there's not a whole lot of numbers, I just want to let you guys know that God doesn't need a whole lot of numbers to do something great. And sometimes these are really special days when uh, we may not be a full house. And I, I can tell you, I've been, I've been times, there's times when we used to do youth group, we'd have like more people on stage than in the in the crowd. And, um, but there are times when the Lord would show up and it was just, um, it was just mass. It was just like, it felt like an arena, you know, because when Jesus comes, it just feels like an arena. I don't know, but, um, don't think I'm going to let you go easy because there's not a lot of people here today, but hey, let's welcome our friends on online today online. Let's welcome them. Come on. All right. Hey, glad to have you guys with, you, with us today. And I uh, want to talk today about correction, but I also want to use the word course correction. How many know that the Lord corrects us, and he, sometimes he shifts our course in things? And we want to be aware of that, that when we're following the Lord, it's, it's about learning how to follow Jesus. How many know we need to follow Jesus? Are you downloading my message? I think I forgot to download it. Did I? It's up there. Thank you. Course correction. You're awesome. Thank you, Charles. Um, and when we look at it, we, we oftentimes think it's, it's how we lead uh, when it comes times of revival and God moving. But actually, as a leader, it's more about following. It's learning how to follow Jesus. Come on. I am like a blind squirrel that bumped into an acorn. That's what I feel like. People say, man, it's just good. I'm like, yeah. I just bumped into it. I'm just glad. I just started eating. I couldn't find my way, you know. And it's so important that we are, we are in humility and that we're just trying to search after God. And we're all trying to follow Jesus. Anybody else try, trying to follow Jesus here this morning? Um, and so being part of Gateway Church, you know, we have a great group of people. But there, are some, there is some structure to what we do. And there are some ways that we ought to go about things. And of course, the Bible is what we follow. What a, I know it's a new concept for many American churches. Right? The Bible's supposed to change us. We're not supposed to change the Bible. If you look in the mirror and you see something you don't like, you don't buy a new mirror. I hope you don't. Okay? We work on what's here, all right? Since the beginning, it's always, I've always been the one that needed to be changed. Jesus never changes, and he never has to. But I'm the one that is continuing, allowing him to change me. It's so vital that we get that. And um, I want to talk today um, about what happens, you know, being part of a church that is following Jesus, okay? As any followers of Jesus here this morning, all right? And there is course correction. There are things that that we need to apply to our lives so that we end up in the right place, all right? There's a trajectory that we're heading toward. And if we get our trajectory knocked off, 
if we're heading toward the moon, we, we'll probably end up in China or something. I don't know. That wasn't, that made a ton of sense, but not very good with geography, I guess. But um, so before I start this message, I just want to let you guys know there are some possible dangerous side effects of attending Gateway Church that I, I need to start off, you know, and just a couple of them. Okay, if you're attending here, these are some of the dangerous side effects. Be aware, you may begin engaging in risky situations. You may. Number two, you may experience fits of laughter. These are some of the side effects I've noticed. Um, some strange uncontrollable movements may happen to your body. And I'll just, can I tell you what's happening? Now I have somebody says, hey, you know that person at church? I say, who? Describe them. They're going like this, or they're going like this. or There's a manifestation happening to them, and that's how they're describing them. That's just what's happening, I'm just saying. Um, you may sell your house and move overseas suddenly. It may happen if you're attending Gateway. Just be aware. You may get a heart for missions and decide, I, I just need to go. These are the possible dangerous side effects. May experience lack of focus on self and sudden desires to be generous. So I, I needed to do this legally so that, you know, as part of Gateway, this could happen to you. Is anybody experiencing any of those side effects? Okay. See Dr. Jesus immediately, and uh, he will straighten them out. Who gave this guy the mic this morning? Oh, so anyway, we've had a lot this morning, and I don't want to uh, spend the rest of the afternoon, but I should be able to get this message done in about two hours. But um, I want to begin with, um, if you fill in your worksheet, everything on your worksheet is about being and not doing. Uh, uh, our focus is that you need to become something, not about doing. We, we have to get that of our mindset, that who we are is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I know I sound like a broken record saying that over and over, but we need to be, we're human beings, not human doings. And we can't find our value in what we do, even though we should do stuff. Like, I love to work. Like, I pray, I pray Lord, let me do the work of two people every day. I love to work but I don't find my identity in it. You hear the difference? So if I don't do anything every day, I still feel as close to Jesus and I'm still as wonderful and loved by God as if I've got the work of three people done today. It doesn't determine my value, but I'm not saying we don't work. We, sh we ought to be work working and being obedient to God, but we should never find our identity and our position, our bank account, even what our spouse thinks of us. That We can't determine uh, who we are based on what other people think of us. Because what that is, is this sin, this terrible sin called idolatry. If we allow others to determine our value, we're putting them in the place of God. You can say amen or you can say ouch. <laughs> but how many of us have done that? We, I haven't, oh, I'm an, I, I've been in idolatry. I've been allowing you to determine my value, what you think about me, what you said to me the other day has become more prevalent to me than what God has said about me. That means you're putting them in the God position. And I'm just in, I'm telling you, I'm telling you it the hard way so that you stop doing it. Because when you put it that way, you don't want to do it anymore. It's kind of like the time when I told God, I, Lord, I'm just not patient. How many have ever told the Lord, ah, I'm just not patient, Lord? And he goes, Chris, let me tell you, it's not that you're not patient, it's that you're not loving. I said, why do you have to put it that way, Lord? 
I mean, not being patient sounds like, oh, I'm just not patient, you know, it's okay. But instead, it's like, no, you're not loving. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the first definition of love is what? Ouch. Oh, my gosh. Man, you're getting it hard today. You're getting like double, boom, pow. Bring it on. All right, we're just killing the old man inside of you. All right, we want your spirit man to be, your spirit man shall live, but we're going to kill your flesh man this morning. You are crucified with Christ, so that's okay. Oh, I mean, I don't know where we're going with this one. But let's start in Acts chapter 6, and I want to just, there's six scriptures I'm going to read today, and I want to get through those, but when the church began to grow, this is in the book of Acts, there was two different types of people in the early church. There were the, the, Hebraic, uh, the Hebraic Jews and the, and the Greek-influenced Jews. They both had different mindsets. The, Jewish, uh, the Hebraic Jews were raised in uh, Jewish thinking, and then the, the Grecian Jews had more of this philosophical idea. So there was, there was different patterns of thought. How many know in our society today, everyone doesn't think alike? There are people out there in society that have an entirely different narrative about the world than you do as a biblical narrative. And I would encourage you to learn what the other narrative is. Uh, there's a cultural Marxism narrative, and then there's a biblical narrative. And the cultural Marxism narrative right now is very prevalent. I'm not talking about that today. But I want you to try to understand how other people are thinking, how they're viewing life and God and others, it'll blow your mind. Like, how can you come to those conclusions? It's because you've been fed a different narrative. And the media is terrible right now, or actually they're really good at giving you the wrong narrative. That's why we encourage you to get off the, the news that is free, because they're lying to you for free. I, you know, I get the Epic Times. Any Epic Times people here? It's just an excellent news source. I would encourage you to get that. Will it cost you? Yes, but I would encourage you to do that and some other uh, places that we recommend just because they're fueling a narrative, all right? Welcome to the, uh, you know, 1984 and the Georgia, you know, all, everything's happening. Anyway, but in the early church, there was a conflict, and it says this, in, the, in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic. The Jews, uh, the Hebraic Jews, because the widows were being overlooked in their food distribution. And so there's this interesting concept that's happening in the early church. There was arguments over the daily distribution about food, but they were distributing food. Hear me on this. Like part of the reason Gateway is what it is, is because we actually are following a biblical pattern. It's a godly uh, pattern to go and to feed the poor. But there was conflict about who was getting what, were people being overlooked. And when we talk about unity and coming together, there is always going to be conflict. And learning how to deal with conflict is what I want to talk about that today because we don't have any conflict going on in the church right now, and I can address it. And so if you think I'm addressing you today, it, somebody's laughing, but it's really true. I don't do that. I don't, because everybody's going, oh, no, pastor wants to talk to me today, you know, because he's talking about conflict. No, we're not. We're, we're just dealing with this as a general topic, okay? Can everybody say, Pastor's not talking about me today, all right? So if I look at you, I knew it, okay? So I'm looking at all of you right now. Yeah, you! And we will be rebuking somebody and standing them up at the end of the service, you know. 
man, that's not what we're doing today, but we want to go through some general guidelines. And I, I mean that from my heart. There's nothing happening that we're addressing that, but I just felt of the Lord, let's go through some of these processes. Uh, when we come together, unity is not everyone being alike. We don't want everyone to be the same. Uh, I have pastors that ask me, you have such a diverse congregation. I said, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Because we want this congregation to be diverse. And so you, there are some things that uh, we, we, just, we just have to look over. There's some differences, but we want uh, a variety of people from races, financial situations, social uh, situations. We want everyone to come here because of the presence of God that you feel here. But there will at times be conflict um, about perception of things or how things are being done, or maybe just because things are increasing. That's what happened in the early church. There's a hard, it's hard when things begin to increase. And when things begin to grow, all of a sudden we go, wait, I don't know what I'm, you know, I was making three widgets yesterday and now I need to make 20 widgets. Well, that's, that's an added increase. And so conflict can come through that, and we have to be aware, how do we handle conflict? So there is a, a system of going through when there is conflict, even when you have a conflict with somebody in the body of Christ. And what I love about this is that in Matthew 18, it's actually listed out very clearly how you need to address conflict. And we need to follow this protocol I want to just you know, read some of this. It says, uh, I believe in the scriptural admonition not to rebuke a spiritual leader um, other than in a grave matters of misconduct and open sin uh, and to earnestly pray for those that God has placed in leadership over me. Um, uh, 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So it's important that we show high respect for not, I'm not just saying for me, but for people who are in leadership positions to honor them and respect them and not to be uh, spreading lies or even being negative. How many know, I don't know about you, but lately I can have a tendency to want to say some things negative just because of what's going on in life around me. How many have felt that recently? Like, and, and so before I speak right now, I'm thinking, okay, I, before it comes out of my mouth, this is what I'm trying to do. Is this negative? Yeah, it's negative. That doesn't mean I shouldn't talk about it, but I'm trying to make more positive stuff come out of my mouth than negative stuff. And I'm just evaluating myself. And I think there are times when we see the way things are going or maybe the, some, the way someone is leading, we, we can criticize or complain or condemn what they're doing. And I would just encourage you to, to really take a good look at your heart and ask, is this something that, um, that I should even be focusing on. Uh, and even when people come to me, what well, did you hear about pastor so-and-so in town? You know, if some other pastor in town has a moral failure, everyone thinks that God's looking at the, the pastor who had the moral failure. The Bible actually tells us that he's, God's not looking at the pastor who had the moral fa failure. He's looking at everyone else and seeing how they respond to that failure. His eyes are... And when somebody tells me something, the fear of the Lord just hits me. Like, oh, I do not want to say, like, I just hear, like, heaven is suddenly focused on me. Like, what's Chris going to say? How's Chris going to react to that moral failure that he just heard? And I'm like, I don't want to mess this up. And so I want my response to be humility and prayer and, you know, Lord, touch this person, bless them. Because um, I don't know about you, I have the fear of God. 
when it comes to that. So we need to be careful and, and wise when it comes to this. It's for your blessing. Uh, also, that we need to not to be gossiping about other people. I do tell people, I do talk, talk about you behind your back. I tell people that all the time, but it's actually good. Okay? And if I have something negative to say, um, it's my priority to say it to you, not to somebody else. Because this is what we want to do. We want to be powerful people. In conflict, if, like if someone had come to me and said, hey, I want to talk to you about this person, the biblical mandate is, okay, no, you go talk to the person yourself. Well, I can't do that. Well, then you're not a powerful person. Powerful people will go address the person directly. And you'll find this. I find this over and over. There was a situation that I misread in, in this church a couple months ago or a year ago or so, and we had, like, long conversations, but we worked it through. And at the end of the day, you know what happened? I was wrong. I was wrong in my perception of how something turned out. And, but it took, it took like two or three conversations following the biblical mandate for it to work out. And it was hard and it was difficult. And I, but at the end of the day, it wasn't about me being right. It was about understanding where the other person was coming from. And sometimes it takes time. And so that's why there is a biblical model to follow. Um, I will not allow gossip in my presence, and I will require an offended brother or sister to go to the leaders themselves or to control their tongue. So that's, that's what we tell people to do. Listen, you have to be strong. If you are weak, then you're going to have to gather other people on your team to go and then and to, to address the situation. And that shows that on the and inside, you're not being a powerful person. And we need you to be powerful. You are powerful because of what Jesus Christ has done to you. And this is, this is where it takes a lot of soul work. I am challenged, like, to speak sometimes to even people in my own family. Come on. Like, I feel small. And I'm like, Chris, you got to do this. You got to be the, the adult in the room. You got to be powerful. Like, I'm cheering myself on. But that's the way we have to handle things. We have to follow the biblical mandate when it comes to addressing conflict. You guys still here this morning? All right. Romans 16, 17, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause division and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teachings you have learned. Keep away from them. Uh, verse 15 in, in Matthew 18, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's the biblical mandate. Uh, verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be as a Gentile and a tax collector. So it's, it's vital that we follow through this process. Uh, when we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, and I, I love how the Lord like lays this out. There's not very many step-by-step -step things you'll find in the Bible. But when it comes to conflict, the Lord has really put it out step-by-step. -step. Aren't you glad? Because everyone wants to kind of wiggle out of this one. Right? Oh, I don't want to go tell the person. I don't feel strong enough, or I'll be embarrassed, or maybe I shouldn't feel that way. Well, that's why when anything happens, any kind of offense happens, you pray, and if you feel like you haven't got the breakthrough, then you, then you need to talk to the person, and you address the situation one-on-one. -on -one. And if you don't feel like you're being heard or understood, then you bring one other person who's not involved in it 
to discuss it. And if not, you bring in an elder, a leader in the church, and then you deal with it that way. And we have to deal with it that way. Otherwise, it spreads. Lies spread and division spreads. And we have a call to do. We're in, we're in, God is increasing us. Now, we don't look like it today, and it doesn't matter. But I feel like as people, as your spirit man is increased right now, there's great, you are bigger than you were last week. You're stronger, right? You're more mighty. You're more powerful. Do that again, Lawrence. Come on. All right. Thank you. I love it. All right. Um, and when we go forward in this, in this move of God, as we're moving forward, we need to understand how important it is we follow the mandate. And one of the struggles I think we have in a charismatic church, or we're just really good at counseling sometimes, that we think, well, I'm going to use my gift in this situation to help this person through. And again, if someone comes to you with something negative about another person, you stop them and you say, have you told that other, go talk to that other person. And if you want to talk, if you can't do that, then we'll go together with you to talk to that person because that's how we handle conflict. Amen? All right. So that's how when things are increasing. Number two, we need to learn how to belong together. And so there was a conflict, and it says this in Acts 6, uh, verse 2. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God to wait on tables. Now, no, many of you know I was in the hotel and restaurant industry. So whenever I feel like quitting ministry, the Lord always brings me back to this, <laughs> brings me back to this verse and says, It's not good for you to neglect the Word of God to wait on tables. I say, Okay, God, I'm still here, and I'm going to keep preaching. All right. Um, so it's important that we recognize everyone has a, a place and a position, and the importance has to be focused on the Word of God and ministering to the Lord, not to people. That's where the priority, God is redirecting that priority. And number three, we need to come and we need to believe together. We need to understand that through belief is what makes us big, through confession and belief. And this is where your, your quiet time, your daily time with the Lord, you're going to begin to grow and to walk in the ministry that God has for you. God has a ministry for you to accomplish. And so what happened is, is because of the, um, the increase and the complaints, they appointed others. It talks about that they appointed seven others. And verse 5 in Acts uh, 6.5 says, This proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochanos, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert of Judaism. And so there was this idea that they were choosing others to come and help do the work of the ministry. And again, my job and our job as, as pastors, we have a, the KCM equipping school. It's our position to equip you to do the work of the ministry. That's why you're here. That's what we try to tell people when they come to Gateway. We're an equipping church. We're an equipping center. We're here to equip you. We're not here to do everything for you. So if you say, hey, some person needs prayer, I might tell you, well, you go pray for them because we're training you and equipping you to do that. We get, we get to experience the signs and the wonders, and, and we want everyone to experience it. But notice Stephen, he was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. And he signed up to help deliver food to a bunch of widows. He didn't sign up for the, the signs and wonders ministry, but because he began to work and began to serve, the Lord anointed him, 
and suddenly the Spirit came upon him and he was doing signs, wonders, and miracles. And it began just with saying, yeah, I'll go deliver to some widows. You know, oh, that's not a big job. Why would I do that, you know? But I'm telling you, as you get into the groove of starting to serve, using your gift for where God has called you, then the anointing will come upon you for other things. And that's what we're here for. Like, I want to see everyone doing the works of God, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, like whatever your ministry is. But it may begin with something small. It may begin with something simple. And when we talk about, uh, you know, there's a scripture that I think is oftentimes misunderstood. I believe it's 1 Timothy 5.22. And it says this, it's, Do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, or take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Now, a lot of times, people will use that scripture and say, I don't want anybody touching me when you pray for me. No, can't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. You know, they're just not letting anyone touch them because of this verse. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't feel like somebody should put their hands on you, pray for you. I've told people, don't touch me. I mean, that's okay. Like, there's certain people I don't want praying for me. But this is not the scripture. This is not a scripture you can use to justify that verse, to justify not somebody praying for you and putting their hands on you. Because this has to do with leadership. When you lay hands on somebody, it's setting someone like we did this morning to Pastor Hannah. We're going to declare that over you. <laughs> and she's like, oh, titles, oh, no. You know. But we put her, set her into that position. We laid hands on her. And because um, that is symbolic of the leadership laying hands. It's putting someone in, into the position of authority. And if you read the verse, it says, don't be hasty in that. Don't just put anyone in position. This is a big mistake that I've seen happen in a lot of ministries. Somebody is very excited about being in ministry. That's good. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're going to be in a position of leadership. There's reasons why that there are certain people in leadership and there aren't certain people in leadership. And when we lay hands on someone, the reason it says, otherwise you will take part in the sins of others. So how many have been in a ministry before where there was a fall, where the minister had a moral failing? Anyone here? Yeah. It's very painful, isn't it? And you've, you are almost sharing in their sin because they were probably hastily laid hands upon. So leadership is a difficult position. If God calls you for a position, then step into it. If he doesn't call you, don't push for it. Because you don't want to, I always pray, Lord, I don't want to be in any place where I don't have your backing. Because that's just not a good day. Um, so what happened is they began to delegate, and um, they chose seven men from among them who were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom, and they turned over the responsibility over to them, and they gave her attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word, because that has to be the heart of a ministry, prayer and ministering of the Word, prayer and ministering of the Word. It's not what we do, but it's ministering, not ministering to people first, but ministering to Jesus, amen? And so that's how a ministry becomes something. And I want to just go through the history. Uh, no, actually, yeah, what happened to some of these seven, and I'm almost done here. You guys all right? All right, somebody is okay, all right, good, good, good. So, Stephen was chosen. He was one. So, he was chosen. They laid hands upon him. The Spirit of God came upon him. He started doing signs, wonders, and miracles, and a 
probably a few weeks later, he was martyred. Stephen was the first martyr of the church. So there's three things that happened to these people I want to talk about today. The first one was Stephen. He was martyred. So you may get hands laid upon you and called in the ministry, and the enemy may hate your guts so much he tries to... I always tell people, I am not dying of sickness, but I may be a martyr for Jesus. I won't be a victim of the devil, but I'll be a, I may be a martyr for Christ. I think that's okay. Because I, can't, I can't guarantee you, if you're serving God, that you may be a martyr. That's a, actually a privilege, by the way. But we're not going to be victims of the devil. So Stephen was empowered, and then he was martyred. Number two, we had Philip. Now Philip, we read about Philip that uh, Philip was one of the seven chosen, and what had happened to him, remember, he uh, began to go to Samaria and heal the sick, and he had a powerful ministry. So he was empowered, and he had a huge ministry to the nations. Awesome, right? I'll take Philip. I like Philip. I'll, I'll, Stephen, maybe not. Philip, I like Philip. But there was a third one that, we, that possibly uh, started a cult from these seven. And he was empowered and misled. And that was Nic Nicholas. And many scholars believe that he formed this group called the Nicolaitans. And we have to be aware that some of us might be martyred. Some of us might be empowered to ministry and greater ministries that go beyond this place is what we hope for and pray for. But we also need to be aware that some of us might be misled. And this is what happened to Nicholas. It says this, the Greek meaning of the Nicolaitans means to rule over people. And many uh, see this in terms of be a beginning a movement of every believer from being a priest to being part of a special class of clergy who ruled over the church. And you can see this dynamic has happened in the early church where there began to be a separation between the clergy and the laity. And some churches still follow that. Every time they say that, oh, they're laity and you're clergy. And you're going, okay, say that again. Laity, clergy. And it's almost like, you know, the clergy is the one that can be used of God, but the laity... You just sit in your seat and you listen to the clergy because I'm special and you're not. Laity actually comes from, I think it's the Latin word for dumb one. So, you know, what kind of teaching is that? So there, there was a line. They began to separate between, and I, again, there are leaders that we need to honor and respect, but everyone can do the stuff. It's not that... Because Nicholas comes from the idea of conqueror of men, that I'm the strong one, you're not. That's not the Bible. We're powerful, I'm powerful, you're powerful. I have a position, decisions to make. You know, I, I make decisions because I have the responsibility and the call of God to do that. You have decisions in a realm of authority God has given you. But we're all powerful. And I always think that clergy sounds like a disease. And I don't want to ever catch it. All right? And send me away if I ever catch clergy. I'm about empowering the church to do the work of the ministry just like the early church did. Look at Stephen. Look at Philip. They got anointed. They got empowered. And they went forth in signs, wonders, and miracles, even though it began with simply serving, simply handing out food to widows. Next thing you know, pow, the God is moving upon them. So don't take lightly your service to the Lord. Don't take lightly doing a menial task, but don't stay in that menial task either. 
begin to seek after the anointing of God that he's going to empower you because you're serving and because you said yes. That's what he's calling the church to do. And that's what we want to see happen because we need big people. There's a challenge out there and evil is strong. But we as the church are stronger because of Jesus. Evil's getting bigger, but good has to be bigger than evil. We have to rise up in this season. And we can't do that by being small. We can't do that by holding on to hurts and unforgiveness and not handling conflict properly. We need to be forgiving and prayerful. And that's what's going to keep us strong. We can't be people that are negative and bitter because that will not allow us to walk in the call of God that he has for us. And it's continual just saying, God, what's in my heart? What's the situation? If something happens, hey, Lord, I want to respond in forgiveness and love. I don't want to be that guy, Lord. You're looking at me now. What's my response? And beginning to allow God to purify you in this season because he, he is looking to use us. You know on every uh, carton of orange juice, it says, shake well before using. And that's what God's doing right now. He's shaking us, right? Because he wants to use us, right? And he wants to use us all together. He wants to use your gifts. And it's time that he allows that shaking so that we can be poured out for him. That's what he wants from us in this season. And we begin to see that there's going to be a shift in the body of Christ, you're going to walk in that anointing. You're going to see shift take place in the people that you're ministered to. Not because you're smarter and you've you got more education, but because you've got the anointing of the anointed one on your life. And he, the anointing is going to begin to touch other people as they, as they are around you and receiving from you. And so what happens at this point is we see that God wants us to have the behaviors of the Beatitudes. You know, and I would encourage you to study the do attitudes. Oh, I'm sorry. The Beatitudes, all right? The Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And begin to let the words of Jesus impact you, challenge you, change you, and, and affect your way of being, all right? Because he's not looking to get doers. He's looking to get beers, all right, I'm good, using good English this morning. But Jesus desi what does say that Jesus said, I want you to learn this one thing. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I'm going to say that again. Jesus said, I want you to learn this one thing. To de to, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire more that you become merciful, that you have a change of heart toward my people, toward me, to yourself, not that you go be sacrificial. And there's enough sacrificial Christians out there, but their hearts have not been transformed. And so become, become merciful. Learn to respond in the way that is pleasing to the Lord. Guys, we are in a very pivotal time, and I see the Lord is causing a course direction, a change of course for us to correct us and allow him to shift us where we need to be shifted. I said a few weeks ago that God is going to be pouring in new wine into us. And you're going to feel that expansion. And if you have old wineskins, you're going to feel like you're going to crack. And we have to be ready for the new wineskin. Lord, what do you want to do? It may not look like what 
it used to look like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or even last year. How many know that the lockdown began last year around this exact time and we're entering into a new season now? I believe that. It's time to get from go from lockdown to go to freeing up. That's what we need to freeing up to do what God calls us to do. And here we are. Uh, there's not many of us here, but we don't need a lot of people. It's not the mega churches that are going to change. It's the local body of Christ that's going to see the transformation take place. And I'm very encouraged because I am seeing, I'm seeing people like you beginning to step in, understanding who they are, and begin to follow Jesus. And this is what happens as uh, we begin to see what happens in Acts chapter 6, 7, my last verse. So the word of God spread. Come on, how many want to see the word of God spread, all right? I want to see the church go from quarantine to contagious, all right? That's, that's what I want to see take place, is we become, we just spill over what God is doing in this season. And the lost need to hear the message. How many have ever besides me, have lost their glasses before. It's the most challenging thing because, number one, you lost your glasses, but now your ability to see is, makes it ten times worse. I lost my glasses and I can't even see to find them. Right? It's like my wife said one time, she goes, offhand, have you seen my gloves? I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> offhand. Have you seen my gloves? <laughs> Off your hand. <sighs> She's profound, I'm telling you. <laughs> but we have a world around us right now that they need salvation. But they don't have the eyes to see what they've lost. So what do you do when you lose your glasses? You get some help. Honey, I need you to find my glasses because I can't see. And the lost can't see to find their salvation. They need you and I. Grab them by the hand and lead them to Jesus. And that's what we're going to see happen in this season. Let's stand together. Let's give God some praise this morning. He is good. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for Gateway Church. Thank you for the plans and purposes you have for us when we're facing conflict, God. Thank you that you set it out straight for us, Lord. Thank you that we'll be strong and confront, Lord, the right way and deal with offense in the right way and not allow it to burn in our hearts, Lord, to cause us to become bitter. Lord, where we failed in the past, we ask your forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus. Forgive us. And Lord, next time, Lord, let us do it right. We thank you that you've created us big. And Lord, you're, you're giving us the, the outline of what you desire for us, Lord. We thank you that you've called us to be to be and not to do. And I thank you today, Lord, that you would ignite us. Just stretch your hands out before the Lord. Just put your hands out to receive. And I just, I release right now 
an ignition in the heart of every person here of fresh fire, Lord God, to be upon their lives, Lord, that you give them a fresh fire of your boldness and of your spirit, God, and you increase in them because there's so much more of you. And I thank you, God. It's not something that we learn, but, Lord, something we receive. So today, Lord, we receive the fire of the Lord in our hearts, God. We receive a fresh impartation of your Holy Spirit today in the mighty name of Jesus. Yeah, if you want more this morning um, and you just feel like I'm hungry for more, um, those of you guys who are at the Ignite, come on up. And if you guys just want some fresh fire, come on up. We'll just impart to what we received this morning. If anyone needs prayer for anything um, prophetic, anything you need this morning, um, you need prayer, we'd love to pray for you. If you just want more fire, come on up for some prayer this morning. We'd love to get a chance to pray for you. Press in. Otherwise, God bless you. Have a great week. We love you. God bless. Remember your Passover tickets, guys. Grab some Passover tickets. Thank you for listening to Gateway Church's Sermon of the Week. Make sure to follow us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And for more information, videos, sermons, or events, check out our website at igateway.org. Thank you and have a blessed week.